0: Welcome back to Hot Singles. I am your host Autumn, and as always, I'm joined by Regs. Hey there. We're here to talk about music, as we oh, always I hear are. To talk about music. And Vince Carter gifts. <laughs>
1: this doesn't make uh, sense unbrace. unless
0: you're in my DMs. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, it, it's spilling slowly, but hopefully, this podcast, being a, a selection of metaphorical Vince gifts, is gonna let people in on the joke.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Um so you brought um In Conflict by Owen Pallet, and I brought a mishmash of um Frank Ocean songs. I think we're going to center on Endless, but we're going to also talk about the singles that he's put out since Endless and Blonde came out. Yeah. So um we could list
2: them, but we'll we'll get to that later.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll do that when we um when we get to that part of the podcast, I think. But I think we're going to start with Owen Pallet.
2: is a Canadian multi-instrumentalist, primarily violinist and violist. Um, He is... um, I'm trying to think what he might be best known for. I think primarily being session musician, composer and performer for a lot of other people. I think most notably Arcade Fire. He's done all of Arcade Fire's orchestral arrangement and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, He's popped up on like everybody's... um, Credits to do orchestral stuff. I think, I think there's a a Frank Ocean credit in there somewhere. I can't remember exactly on which track. But that sounds right. Like, yeah, no, it's very much that sort of energy. Um, he's he's signed to XL, so was part of the is it called Everything's Recorded? That sort of like super groupy project, bringing together a bunch of cool artists and producers and trying to look at the names: Samfer, Kamazi Washington, Peter Gabriel, like the. Like leading luminaries of, um, like very like, artsy fartsy, smart indie music. Mm-hmm. Um, his own stuff, he's been releasing solo work for a good couple decades now, I think. Maybe, um, yeah, first album 2005. Um, started off under the name Final Fantasy, very like <laughs> almost chiptune influenced and video gamey, and slowly <laughs> became more acoustic. Yeah, no. Th- his, his second album was called he poos clouds clouds even um it's oh, got a very a, it's got this very like whimsical energy to it mm-hmm. um and very rpg bullshit energy um but like slowly became a bit more self serious um and in conflict is a 2014 album which basically i'm not going to say marks a transition point but like if eh, the, the, um, the trying to invent this like grand arcing narrative to own parts. He's, he's mm-hmm. a guy who's put out some albums. Um, but yeah, this is like the second album under his own name. It's the, it's still got some degree of like thematic content running through it, but unlike the previous ones doesn't have like a, a framing device in the same way. Um, mm. It is just an album, which is cool. Um, he's gay. The album is very gay. Yep. Um, we'll come onto the lyrics. They're fun. Um, I, I do want to say for due diligence, there was this weird moment in maybe about two years ago where he was sued about a alleged sexual assault. Um, I don't know what to say about it beyond reporting the like, stuff that came out in the news, which was that he and the woman in question reconciled amicably. And as in it never turned into a situation where there was mudslinging. It was actually resolved. Mm -hmm. in a friendly manner I don't know what to do with that information I still wanted to talk about this album anyway Mm. Um, it seemed to be one of the more like incidental and not substantive versions of these stories compared to the vast litany of artists who are like horrendously abusive and not only are there receipts but there are like like vast Mm. swathes of people left in their fucking wake so yeah, I just wanted that up front in case people like either knew stuff or didn't want want to deal with that. But like, that's not the subject of the conversation. He mm-hmm. has a new album out. He's he um, uh, what do you call it? What's the thing when you suddenly release an album out of nowhere? He a surprise drop. Surprise drop. That is the phrase I was looking for. He surprised <laughs> dropped a twenty twenty album called Island that I've been mm-hmm. staring at and haven't wanted to touch because it is like many of these albums. Oddly enough, a bit like Endless. One of those albums where, like, the artist themselves means a lot to me, and I don't want to unemotion, like, emotionally unprepared, jump into an album. Yeah. Um, so I've been putting it off for like four months, five months.
0: Wait, but, that happens. Eh,
2: yeah, it's fine. I will get to it at some point. The the usual spur for me is it gets to December and I realize I need to do an Albums of the year list, and it will be slightly negligent. If yeah. some of my favorite artists. I haven't listened to their new stuff. So, yeah. Um, we're talking about the last one, which is
0: um, In Conflict from twenty fourteen.
2: So yeah, that's the bio. Um, so where do we want to start with this? So mm-hmm. I, th- I think we can say up front the thing that we've discovered over the course of the last week is you don't like this album and I do. So is this like one of the first times we really disagree?
0: I I think I was higher on the Car State Headrest album from this year than you were, but I don't wow. think that was I don't think we dr- oh, disagreed.
2: Yeah, for a second, I thought you were going to say I was higher on the car seat headrest than this album,
0: which... No, no, this is definitely better than the car seat headrest album. An album... Ooh, okay, here's a thing. I was worried for a sec. <laughs> here's the thing. I... Mm, no, I actually can't defend that. I can't defend that. Maybe I just don't like the car seat headrest album. <laughs> Maybe I just don't like the Car Seat Headrest album. I don't like the Car Seat Headrest album that much. I think it's fine
2: one, one way or the other.
0: There's that one song I really like. Anyway.
2: Anyway. <laughs> um, one song does not an album make.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no. No. Anyway. So, I listened to this the first time maybe three days ago. And I... Didn't care for it. And then I came at it again last night. And through the first three songs. I was liking it a lot better. And then it just went on a little longer. Than I wanted it to. I don't. I don't have a specific beef. With this album. Necessarily. I just found that like. Okay he's doing the like. Singer. Songwriter. There's violins and synths. I've kind of like. I I felt like I've heard this album before and that this one wasn't doing anything that was like, oh yeah, like the song like the the lyrics weren't jumping out me in such a profound way that like I needed like I needed to like really dial myself in or um there wasn't like some unique instrumental thing happening that like was hooking my attention. I like this album. I think I would like it better if it was like, how many songs are on here? 13. Like, maybe if it was 11 songs, you know? And these aren't yeah. even long, long songs. Like, I don't even... It's yeah. not so, that long.
2: I totally agree. Like, I could drop Soldier's Rock as the se- as the like last proper full track and just be be happy. I, that's one of the tracks... I, I think this is... A, for me personally, I love this album. Mm-hmm. I would be totally happy if it just didn't have track 12 on it. Full stop. And that shaves five minutes off the runtime and suddenly it's a, a more comfortable enjoyable 45 tight minutes
0: yeah you know, yeah along i 50s. honestly not liking soldiers rock maybe i ended this album on like a more sour note than like if it had just if i just cut off you know before that
2: yeah i hadn't thought totally. about that um, but yeah, like, I think that's one of the few tracks that's actually a bit damp compared to the others where I think there is stuff going on that we can it's actually
1: Calling the
0: song Damp feels so mean.
2: I like this album. I'm allowed to. Yeah, that's fair.
0: <laughs> um,
2: so I'm interested by you saying there isn't distinctive stuff for you to grab about the lyrics because the last time we talked about it, you were like, that's a thing and a way of approaching the sort of mm-hmm. music that you will go in for first. So I just want to, um, so I want to uh, own myself, mm-hmm. um, by saying that I used, um, what's the, what is it called? Yeah. I'm trying to remember what the right word is, but yes, I use the chorus for I'm not afraid as an epigraph to my master's dissertation.
0: Okay. I'll never um, have any children. Um, yeah. Okay. Um,
2: Yeah, so I just want to like Read the first bit of I'm not afraid and then try and situate Myself in relation to when I approach this album Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I'm not afraid Z said, Z neo pronoun Of the Mm -hmm. non-believer within me No delight at the pain of my enemies No tears for any friends I have lost You are not alone, I said It is a trial to keep my belief suspended I leave leave my violin unattended In a cab or a restaurant And And then when Z started to sing Nobody could have called them crazy open Court forever unchanging, holy eternal drone. I'll mm. never have any children. I'll bear them and eat them, my children. I'm going to change my body in the light and the shadow of suspicion. I am no longer afraid. The truth doesn't terrify us. My salvation is found in discipline. So, okay. Um, mm. When the first time I listened to this album, I was sitting in my college library at university trying to do some math worksheets. And I was sitting in. It, I think it was a, like a Saturday or Sunday, and like a mid-morning, like a early work session at like eleven or something like that. And the full expectation of I will need to sit in this library for six hours and do math problems for those six hours. And I'd for I don't know particularly why I'd like landed on this album to listen to. I have I have like this weird point of contact with Owen Pallet that he performed at a. Concert that I was meant to be part of, but because my voice had broken, I couldn't be part of the choir that we, I was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got just a free ticket to watch from the, the the seats rather than be part of the choir. And as well as some incredible, live classical music on palette while it was still Final Fantasy, was doing the, like, violin-y loopy shtick that he had back in, like, 2011 or whatever. So the mm-hmm. name rang a bell. I put this album on and was like, oh, shit, I'm having feelings mm-hmm. and then like had one of the f- like only music ugly cries i've ever had and just i remember it wiping me out for the rest of the day and then it's sort of in the same way that like for some people flower boy might be there like that's their gay album mm-hmm. this kind of might be one of my gay albums again to be honest a bit like channel oranges Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then it just hit me like oh this I only listened to it maybe two, three years after it actually came out but it it sort of worked its way into one of those positions where like it doesn't really matter what I could say qualitatively about it like sorry evaluatively about it like (laughs) I think there are problems with this album I think there are things that if I were to like go in and tweak this album I would have done it differently I would have like change things to be a bit more punchy or a bit more like aggro and a bit more rocky and a bit more grabbing, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't really fucking matter because it's still going to make me like desperately (laughs) emotional every time I listen to it. So basically I wanted to just like, does that do anything for you? Those lyrics, that framing, the, the, like the stories that it tries to tell. Cause initially you said no. And I'm just interested like, where's it not grabbing you? Or like, what do you did you
0: get out of this? If not like so and
2: exciting stuff.
0: So, when you when you read those words aloud, it hit me harder than when he sings them because I mm-hmm. think he defaults into this mode where, like, the violins are looping and doing their thing, and he kind of goes for this like. Like sort of soaring quality to his vocals where he's like like flying over the top of the um the instruments and um everything feels very epic in the way that he sings and in the reverb that he layers into everything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: In a way that like It's nowhere near as immediate as it could be. It's not immediate. Um so I wanted to, to kind of give myself some context, since I didn't know who Owen Pallet was, um, last night, after I listened to the album a second time, I was like, mm, I don't know. I went and read the Pitchfork review of it. and <laughs> I, I haven't
2: read that review in an eternity, I'm sure.
0: Um, not even really to find out what, um, like, not even really to find out anything about him, or not even to find out like what the discourse about this album was, but just like, I can usually count on Pitchfork to be like, Owen Pallett used to be uh, Final Fantasy, and now he blah, blah, blah. Like, give me just a little bit of the context. And so one of the things um, that they quoted from him saying in an interview is that he was on tour with John Darnielle um, of the Mountain Goats and that he felt really inspired by the way in which John Darnielle writes songs, and he wanted to try and, like, move into that mode some more. And for me, the thing that makes Mountain Goats' um, songs... Like, John Darnielle has this one songwriting trick he does, where he kind of, like, tells you a little story, and then it's building up to a climax, and he, like, strums the guitar, and he stops, and he says, like, this really punchy line, and then he, like, strums the hell out of the guitar!
2: <laughs> and
0: one trick that
2: everyone will hate you for.
0: It works every time. It works every time. <laughs> this year is maybe the best song that's ever been written. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> like, and the thing that works about that trick, the thing that works about the, the storytelling qualities of John Darnielle and the mountain goats music is the immediacy. Whereas Owen Pallet feels kind of distant and alien while trying to do these very immediate stories, you know? Yeah. So and my...
1: <laughs> yeah, hear, my hearing favorite.
0: everything spoken aloud made it work more than I think his singing and his instrumentation is able to make it work. Yeah, so my favorite
2: version of that, because I totally agree, is second verse of um, the second track in Conflict. Mm-hmm. Has the line that, the, the sort of like, the throwaway line that's meant to be the punchline at the end of the, the verse is... Well, I'll just do the verse. I have no statement for your benefit, young man, except this. We all will live again in the eyes of an actor and the light on a glass. So let me see that ass. Um, <laughs> ass? Ass? Us? I, I don't know. I'm thinking through the lyrics as he sings them. But like, so let me see that ass is sung with such a like, smooth and like, fluid tone that it just doesn't have any like menace to it whatsoever and it just kills the line dead it's a line Mm -hmm. that's almost comedic rather than actually like nasty which i think is the the vibe he's going for Mm -hmm. like this is this is a track about um like how would i how would i describe it uh like the 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 willingness to throw yourself away for the sake of queerness and the like bullying and nastiness that queer people put upon themselves and um the like the violence of repression the the violence of like fighting through
0: repression mm-hmm. so yeah um and i think i think i i kind of got I'm not afraid. I felt like I got what he was going for with that first track. And then in conflict, because it's kind of a similar vibe on the second song. And I was trying to piece together like what (laughs) I didn't need the music to fit a genre necessarily, but I was like, so is he trying to operate in a like pop space? in a rock space, in a, like, he's doing a singer-songwriter thing, but I can't, I could never quite place what he was doing. There's, like, some synths that's happening on the second track in Conflict that was, like, that made it feel like, oh, this is, like, a pop songwriter who's doing a more personal album, and then it's, like, that didn't quite feel right as the album went on. I just could never, I could never place this like musically in a way that it was hard to like um we do we talked about phoebe bridgers and the way that like um almost to a fault it's so easy to place where her music is in the context of other things and what she's trying to do more so on the first album than the one that we talked about um but like and i think i almost needed that i almost think i needed like I needed this to remind me of, like, a Sia song or, like, someone, like... And I, I don't have experience with Arcade Fire, the band that he's worked with the most. Um, So maybe if I knew more Arcade Fire stuff, I'd be like, oh, this is, like, arcade... Like, someone associated with Arcade is. Fire doing it, the, that. Yeah, there's a strain of, like,
2: mid-aughts to early... Like, I don't think Mountain Goat's are disconnected from this.
1: Mm-hmm. In
2: that, like, in the same with the... Um, fucking in the airplane under the fucking whatever it's called. The can't <laughs> that cool because I don't like it that much.
0: It's um, maybe my favorite album ever. I'm glad that you s- don't like my favorite album. It makes the show better. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the point. As in,
2: I am of the opinion that there are, like, artists who do that but do a bit better. Like, mm-hmm. that's the basic idea. Like, it's not that I don't think it doesn't deserve to be in the great canon. It's just that, like... I have artists who do the same thing and I think, like, are a bit more gripping because they're more rocky, basically. Mm. Like, um, in the same way that, like, my favourite bits of Arcade Fire are not the pretty bits. They're the, like, bits where they forget that they're, like, a a pleasant collective of Canadians and just, like, wheel the guitars out. Um, So, yeah, there is, like, a continuum of... uh, In... In airplane in the airplane I forgot what the the, the, preposition the aeroplane was. in the airplane over yeah. the sea yeah there we go neutral milk <laughs> hotel so yeah um as in there is like a continu- uh, continuity between like neutral milk hotel and like pitchfork darling early 2000s bands like broken social scene this very canadian heavy episode for some reason arcade <laughs> fire um and that sort of like strain of like it's not m- like The bands I like that fit that sound more happen to be the more, like, muscular, rocky ones. Um, Mm -hmm. At the same time, though, that, like, a lot of the thing that got those acts noticed was this quite, like, delicate, pretty songwriting approach to indie rock. Okay. And I think that that's the, like, that's the backbone here, is, like, kind of, like, earlier Arcade Fire that wasn't the... Not the, like, smash the drums, wake up version, but the, the, like trying to think what on that first one funeral is like, like it's I, again, if people know what arcade Fire, it's like the tunnels or side of arcade fire instead of the wake up side of arcade fire. And mm-hmm. like, if that helps people calibrate, like great, fair enough. But that said, like, you're totally right. Cause the thing that I said earlier about, like if I was producing this album, like there are so many moments where I would just like do the production differently straight up. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just we happen to be seemingly doing comments track by track track three on a path has this um, uh, has this chorus you stand in a city you don't know anymore spending every year bent over from the way of the year before where this there's this like this kick drum knock which happens on the one and the three and I'm just like Dear fucking God, have you listened to a dance music track? Do you know the sort of energy you'd be getting now if you just put this on every single beat? Do you know the sort of drive and the impetus that you're missing out on because of your, like, like uh your like, infuriating, like, allegiance to prettiness, and it just doesn't work. Um Again, it doesn't matter because, like, these are tracks that I emotionally are gripped by before I'm sonically gripped by them. I think the songwriting is... In some places really smart, and sometimes smart isn't good enough to overcome the fact that it isn't gripping.
1: hmm
0: Yeah, um... I almost... As I'm thinking about it, like... I'm reminded of the way that Radiohead has never clicked with me. And, mm. like, I'm much more willing to concede that Radiohead is good. I just don't click with Radiohead... And, like, I think this album is good. I'm maybe being mean if I say it's not good. I just think...
1: <laughs> yeah, you're allowed to
0: be mean, frankly. It's fun to be mean. <laughs> Do you want to know... Because I I thought something really just dumb and incendiary... Um, I, I do want... We, we promised Dunks, please
2: give me the dumb and incendiary version, because I will have fun mo- with it regardless. The
0: really dumb and incendiary thing that I thought while listening to this album the first time is, I'd rather be listening to Sam Hunt right now. <laughs> wow. Okay... Uh, so
2: that only I will grant you that if none of the queer content actually landed
0: but, so, yeah, okay, so this the, is a bit where, yeah, the other thing that was very strange for me about this album i'm how do I I'm trying to piece together in my head what the root of this is, and like, I don't think. The very first line of this album uh, has neo pronouns in it, and I don't think I hooked into the um, the queer content on this album until I like pulled up the lyrics for track four, like yeah. because because everything is so distant. I was like, like I would hear a line and then it was hard to put it in the context of the next line for me because it felt so, um, because it felt so distant. Like I, like I've been saying. And so like the, once I started reading the lyrics, I was like, Oh, this is really fucking gay. (laughs) But, but, um, like when I wasn't, when I was just listening to it, that element of it never really hit me. And like, I don't want to sound in any way we've talked a lot about how one might express queerness through music on this podcast and I don't at all want to sound like <laughs> I'm trying sound to sound prescri- like a straight album. <laughs> but it kind of <laughs> it, sounds like a straight album. It kind of <laughs> sounds like a straight album and I really don't want to be like giving people a checklist of here's how you can make a queer album and here's how you can't make a queer album. And you need yeah. to do like six of these 10 things to be gay but it was just like it never the the gender stuff never stuck with me in like i don't know it just never like sunk its teeth into me in the way that like you know we're going to talk about frank ocean like blonde became the soundtrack of like my early transition and my realizing that i was attracted to men like that was like you know And I don't even need every album to be blonde. Not no album can be because blonde is blonde. But like, I just needed I needed a little something I could connect to. And because I didn't have that, like, I didn't even like pick up on the like queerness of the record. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I,
2: I totally get it. And I totally see how that would happen. It's just that my version of approaching this album was so utterly inseparable from it. Mm-hmm. um so maybe if we can like i'm just gonna let myself drill down into what specifically the content is so the first um the first track i, I gave the spiel about what that, those lyrics are here's a bit of a clip from an interview about it mm-hmm. um how can i well, what's the best the, yeah this paragraph i'm not gender dysphoric or gender queer. But I definitely do not identify with being male on any other level than a biological one. I've constantly been rejecting my maleness all my life, but unable to actually proceed to identify myself as anything else, to give up the privilege of my maleness. So that sort of state, whatever you'd want to call it, forms a lot of the inspiration behind this record. Being unable to give up one thing to be something else that you'd want. Um, so like I'm not gonna say this is a straight album, but it um, for me at least it's a slightly eggy album. In a yeah, a, that's again not a fun and slightly incendiary way of putting it. Mm. But this is an album deeply concerned with masculinity. This is an album deeply, deeply invested in figuring out the sort of like ins and outs of like this fucked up, messy, traumatizing experience called masculinity. Um some of that's about like familial relationship, like what's the line? Um uh Father whispering in your ear, you're like you're an imbecile and your limbs carry lumber. I think that's on the second track. Um like you're a fucking dude. Get over yourself. You cannot be this stranger, more impressive, more beautiful thing. Or uh is it um Secret Seven, which is about Tyler clementi who was a seventeen year old music student who took mm-hmm. her own life while at like a music college um whether whether the chorus is um, uh what do you call it it don't it don't get better the hunger even back in his arms no the water will get higher as fast as you run, and the very end of the track is um uh, and if your mother doesn't answer, then give me a call. Here's my number: eight five four four seven eight four. Like mm-hmm. he did get calls from like other queer people. Like he talks about in interviews, actually getting voicemails from people. Um, mm-hmm. Like the the um the passions is another one of those like um the the, the passions is the closest it gets to a Frank Ocean track. <laughs> Um, because it's about drugs and bad sex and like emotional distance and failure to connect but like again it's done with a sort of like where frank's version of like psychedelia and wooziness is incredibly heady and like drags you along with it and like chucks you underwater and holds you down this is just sort of like flying slightly in the clouds. Um, I totally understand how you could just like breeze through this album without being gripped by any of this. It's just, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, it might simply be that I am schooled, habituated enough in this mode of doing indie rock, question mark, Yeah. that like, I had enough ins to get to, like, oh, this is one of those albums, but it's far more messy and bloody and, like, about masculinity and its
0: failings. Um, Yeah, I mean, like... got something out of it that way. This is, like... Yeah, like, this is... What what I'm saying with the Radiohead thing is, like, this is a certain, like, part of indie rock that I've just never hooked into because I spent my teen years listening to, like, Wu-Tang Clan (laughs) or something, (laughs) you know... Um anyway I'm actually reminded of a weird moment I had where it which is um on the secret seven, um the the last line, and if your mother doesn't answer, then give me a call. Here's my number, eight five four four seven eight four. And like the the weird moment I had was I'm listening to this I'm, I'm, like, I feel like I'm being, I'm drifting along with it, but I'm not, like, submerged in it in some way. And that line, the production changes on that specific line to really, like, bring your attention to it, um, purposefully so. And that was, like, the first line I'd really, like, heard in that song. And so I thought that this... I thought for a second, I went to Google it right away, but I thought for a second that that line was like, Owen Pallett was a divorcee dad. (laughs) (laughs) Who was like, if your mom doesn't pick up the phone because she's tired of your shithead dad, like, you can give me a call, son. I thought that's what that line was for a second. And it just gave me, like, a totally wrong impression. And, like, that's partly on me for, like, you know, not being tuned in the way that maybe I should if I wanted to do criticism. And it's also, like... I don't know. The album isn't explaining itself to you. If it's not
2: communicating the tone (laughs) properly, then you're just not getting it. That's fine.
0: Right, right. And, like, you know, I did go and look, and I read the context, and I was like, oh, okay, it's very different from what I thought. It just... Because the album... I could... It just felt like I was at arm's length. I I keep going back to this, like, distance thing that, like... Yeah, I just thought that this song was about a very different thing. <laughs> um, the, here, also, like hearing The Secret Seven and thinking it was about that, and then, you know, four minutes later getting to The Passions and hearing the line You hooked your pinkies on my jeans, I'm 28 and you're 19 just gave me a very bad impression of, like, I I think Owen Pallet is going for a very different thing, but it just was like, ugh, ugh, icky. Yeah. When I just thought a minute ago that he was a divorcee dad, and now I'm hearing <laughs> this, like, ugh. No! <laughs> yeah, I, I get that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and this is the thing, like, there is space to talk about the very strange messiness of queerness. mm But... I am very fine if someone says, like, the wo- version of that that speaks to me is Frank Ocean's and absolutely not this one.
0: Yeah, like, I, yeah, I don't want to say that this is a bad album. It was just an album that didn't connect with me at all, and I think, like, I think one's emotional connection to the album, I think this is purposefully so. I think this the same could be said of Frank Ocean, but I think, like, if you emotionally connect with it, the very first time you listen to it, you're going to love with it. You're going to love this. And if you don't, maybe like a, a couple, excuse me, a couple listens in, maybe it'll, you'll start to form that connection. But I think like the album, like in the way that the mountain goats does too, like your ability to like see yourself in this, um, is kind of like the whole thing. And since like, I didn't have that, because of the production because i'm not as much into like this kind of very pretty arcade fire radiohead type of indie rock i just smacked my microphone i don't even know if radiohead's an apt comparison because i barely listen to them
2: yeah honestly i think it is not so much in the sense of the prettiness but absolutely in the sense of orchestration and distance
1: Mm. um
2: radiohead's lyrics are like i i've made this talk before but like what if the government and the computers are bad, man? Like, oh, is that what Radiohead is? I mean, only very slightly because they they went through that era in 1996 and have come out slightly more considered than that and slightly more subtle than that. But like, I, I don't. I think guess Radiohead's I always. The...
0: You go, you go. Sorry,
2: Radiohead's lyrics are not the centerpiece. To be clear, like, okay. Tommy Tom York is many things, are, and astounding lyricist is not one of them. Um. The the emotional connection to that music is all about the sort of like the, the the space it puts you in and the swell and a vast amount of that not only is about like incredible musicianship and guitarists and synthy mm-hmm. stuff, but it's also about orchestration and Johnny Greenwood is one of the best I, I think it's pretty uncontroversial to say Johnny Greenwood, as well as being like an incredible score composer, like he's done a bunch of the um Carlin Brothers films. I think one of my favourite film scores ever is his score for We Need to Talk About Kevin. Lynn Ramsey film.
0: Oh, one of my favorite scores ever is his score for "There Will Be Blood." I think that's yeah, one of the best. Exactly. Yeah. Got yeah.
2: like people know him for his orchestration. It's incredible,
0: and like that carries over
2: one hundred percent to Radiohead stuff, particularly in the last decade or so. Like they moved out of just being a trad rock group. Like, I the very quick rundown because I know their discography pretty intimately is like '96. I think is OK Computer. They go away for a couple of years and re-emerge with a very, very experimental electronic, like, sound palette, like, doing the best pastiche of a band, like, the indie rock band who've digested all of experimental electronic music in mm-hmm. the 90s, in, like, do a lot of collabs with Bjork, um, like, start working with, like, this new wave of British experimental experimental artists like Burial and Fortet. Um, They have this sort of, like, recapitulation of indie rock, but it's a bit more grand with um, Health of the Thief. And then, like, pretty much everything from In Rainbows, which I think is 2007 onwards, is, like, got this backbone of orchestration that just, like, fills out their, their, like, sound palette so, so much. Um, Mm -hmm. They, like, have flicked, flicked back and forth between being, like, more or less electronic, more or less, like, contained as a guitar group. But, like they are still a group that relies super heavily on orchestration um, in a very similar way to this own Palette record does. So, like, I don't think the prettiness comes across in the same way, but the, like, the use of, like, strings and expansive, orchestrated, long-form songwriting as the way of, like, doing emotion is absolutely there.
1: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And... I don't know. I just... I don't want to say bad things about this album because I think there's a lot of like good stuff about this album. It just was not for me, and I entered this space last night listening to it again that I just thought of like all sorts of just dumb, mean shit to say <laughs> that I think, blessedly, I have forgotten most of. Um, oh, damn, the I Sam was so Hunt...
2: excited.
0: <laughs> the Sam Hunt one was one um i think i was another was is this revenge for me making you listen to that car seat headrest record Um, no no no. i could come up with wes i (laughs) can oh yeah i'm sure you could um i can't remember i wanted to say there was there was one that i felt like okay this is both fair and very funny and now i can't remember it um which is a disappointment but that's all right yeah. Um, so you, I mean, just like I
2: think the meanest—I said this album is Eggy, and that's a very mean thing to say when I think Eggy is a bullshit concept in the first place.
0: Yeah, like Eggy but, is but, both a term that I never ever want to use, and also I'm like, yeah, all right. But when you when you apply it to this album, <laughs> yeah, specifically because like I have lived with this album for however many
2: years, and simply just come to different answers. Like, no, mm-hmm. I I am. It's not that I. Have this complex, estranged relationship with masculinity. I do, and I did something about it, which is no longer mm-hmm. being male. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's not that I don't get something out of entering this album's emotional headspace, it's just that, like, it's got this, I don't know, like, I admire it and still feel a massive connection to it, but it's got a kind of fatalism or disconnect and, like, emotional, like, stuntedness to it that I just, like, no, I mm-hmm. think there is something better. Um, and like, again, you don't write music in order to affirm. Like, that's not the purpose. It's mm-hmm. a place to like, inhabit and experiment and see embodiment, like played with and used in interesting ways. And like, this album absolutely does that. It's just that like, no, I've grown through and alongside and beyond this album, maybe. And I still mm-hmm. love it. It's just that like, no, you don't need to have like, this, like one-to-one intimate connection to it to just like feel it in the same way um, uh, I don't know uh, th- like this album I could also imagine people thinking it's impressive but not very emotionally connected uh, like they don't emotionally connect to it and I think there is a, just I also think a track like the riverbed is just like a near perfect pop track. Um, the riverbed is one of the best songs of this album no yeah. doubt. Um, I think it's great. And with tracks like that, I could totally imagine people coming to, like, it's impressive, but I don't click with it. Um, But at the same time, also, like, there are so many reasons why you might not find this impressive, because by my own admission, there are just so many production (laughs) things that are just a bit, like, weedy and passive and, like, underpowered. Um, Like, when... It's really obvious when there's a Brian Eno influence, because it just becomes a whole lot thicker and more muscular every time you can tell like he provided synth parts that like are beefy and have some edge to it or um, vocal parts that actually like fill it out and give it some pace and energy um, mm-hmm. and just yeah like leave own palette to his own devices and it's just a bit like blech mm-hmm. I think this I should be clear about where I have this album in my own canon I, I have mentioned many times before that I have my Albums mm-hmm. of the decade list. And this is in the top 10. Um, that's yeah. how much I love this album. Um, but I love this album in spite of its obvious ways in which it's deficient and self-defeating and confused. But because like for me, it was a crucially important thing yeah. to like walk through this like contradictory and self-defeating and confused headspace to arrive at ideas and sensations that were just better and more productive mm-hmm. and more satisfying. Mm. And to know that path through it is like always rewarding when I go back to it
0: yeah should we move along to the 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 messiness of frank ocean (laughs) yeah it's a it's a different kind of queer but it's definitely queer
2: oh yeah
3: took out my hands. Beans, star, bucks, star, struck. It's coming soon. That's cause you suck. That's coming soon. Amazon, 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 Shit like six five? we like no, Ooh, baby be Got a pack, came from the D-A-Chill. Just got up with a pack. Got out a pack, came from the chill. Just got up like a pill. Got out a pack, come on, stand, chill. Just got up with a pack. Pack in I I go like the dHL I got a shot like a tail, and I pack in the chill. Just got up on a pill and independent jug selling records out the trunk i'm already rich as fuck so the products in the front got my partner in
2: the front been my bf for a month but we've been fucking from the jump, jump 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 jump. so yeah um so what are we talking about we're talking about here eight tracks i think
0: plus yeah endless. let me pull it up on yeah. my computer here so so Sh- chanel chanel Bi- biking mm.
2: lens Provider, Moon River, DHL, In My Room, Dear April, and Kayendo. That, those are yeah. the like the things that are on Spotify that everyone can go back to and listen to. Sorry, nine yes. tracks in total, because there are two versions of Viking and all that.
0: There there are two versions of Viking, and if you have Apple Music or if you look around on YouTube, you can find like a version of Chanel that's got ASAP Rocky on it, a version of Lens that's got Travis Scott. Um, uh, a Kayendo and Dear April remixes that I actually forgot to listen to before this. <laughs> Same, so, I didn't go, go looking either. So, you know, I told people if you want to hear, because there's those songs, and then also on Apple Music is Endless, which not a lot. I don't have Apple Music. Not not everyone has Apple Music. If people, all my homies hate Apple Music. <laughs> all my homies hate Apple Music. I have Spotify because I get it th- free through my job, but if I didn't, I would just stop using Spotify. <laughs> ah. Um. So... Just, just to, to rewind. Fuck Spotify. <laughs> fuck Spotify. Fuck Spotify. Let's continue. <laughs> um, okay. Where... Zoom. Those are the songs. Let me explain, like... Frank Ocean um, came onto the scene. At the same time, the like maybe 2009 2010 when odd future was blowing up and um he was kind of the like odd future was a collective of rappers singers producers skateboarders fashion designers uh it gave us earl sweatshirt it gave us the band the internet it gave us uh tyler the creator and frank ocean maybe the most famous person out of odd future in 2020 Maybe Tyler is. I don't know.
2: It's close between him and Tyler,
0: but yeah. Um, so he puts out an album in I think 2010 called Nostalgia Ultra. Then he really breaks through into the mainstream with Channel Orange in 2012. Is that right? Uh, Maybe even 2011. Let me pull this up. Let's see. 2012. You're right. 2012. Okay. And you know. I think in 2014, he starts saying new album soon and people get excited. (laughs) And and he said, and 2014 comes to a close and he's like, no real. Okay. 2015 new album soon. There's definitely a new album in 2015 and and no new album came out. And then in 2016, once again, we start doing the new album soon. And like, at some point on his website, there starts to be a video of him building a staircase. And every every now and then, you can hear snippets of music, like, muted, and they sound like they're coming out on a beat-up AM radio, and people don't know what's happening. And one night, suddenly, this thing hits Apple Music. It is a 45-minute, like, visual album of three different frank oceans walking around a studio space in la building a staircase while music plays of like varying levels of completeness and then the next day blonde comes out which is like the new the new frank ocean album and blonde is for me like one of the most important albums of my life, one of my favorite albums. Um, and then in the years, 2016 ends up being a very busy year for Frank. Um, he puts out, I think, two of these singles that we were talking about today in 2016. Um, he schedules a bunch of tour dates and festival dates and cancels almost all of them. <laughs> Love it. Um, Love it. And has kind of like has spent most of his time since blonde came out it like kind of in hiding it even before blonde came out it was like you would see in 2015 like frank ocean spotted like entering a basement in paris you know (sighs) and like that would be all you would hear about him for weeks and like he's been like reclusive and he showed up to like the met gala in like you know, a like, very very a, nice jacket.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, um, exactly. The, uh,
2: the the that Met Gala was the one based around the Susan Sontag essay. The is it the something of camp. The notes on camp.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, and he was like pushing back against like uh, heterosexual appropriation of campness as a, a, a an aesthetic. As you um, kind
2: of should, but also this is the same one where it was it Billy Porter came in carried by four oiled up men in like bright gold with wings that like there was a way of doing camp if you wanted to this was also the time when we saw the photos of frank's like 30th birthday party which was like this throwback vogue night thing where Mm -hmm. like the studio 54 throwback thing oh he's the the other part of that he's also put on prep plus which is this like attempted a new york circuit gay party but that also was like had this conceptual aspect of what if we had prep in 1983 and the AIDS crisis didn't eviscerate everything, but Mm. just turned into a circuit party, you know, and everyone was just a bit like confused and a bit dismissive of it, which was fun, but just like interesting little insights into where his head is at, which is like, like very explicitly like doing and thinking about queer politics, but also Mm -hmm. in this kind of like utopian abstracted hands off kind of way
0: yeah Um, he's also been like putting out magazines called boys don't cry and he's been doing like pop-up shops of like here you can come to this spot in chicago and you can buy the magazine for a hundred dollars today and today only um and he's been photographing the Met gala for vogue the last two years i think or maybe like 2018 and 2019 i guess um Like, he's just been an incredibly famous person because he writes songs for Beyoncé or wrote songs for Beyoncé. Beyoncé shows up on Blonde. um, Beyoncé shows up on Blonde to do backing vocals. Like, that's the the vibe. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Kendrick Lamar shows up on Blonde to say the word blur twice and smoke. (laughs) Um, Yeah, And, and so... Part of the reason I wanted to bring this is that one, um like I think that the like eight or nine songs that Frank has put out since Blonde, if you think of them as an album, are a better album than like most things most people have put out and it's like nine songs over the course of four years. Yeah.
2: Frank's um, just very good. It's just also that he seems to be in a spot in his life and his like attention where okay to be clear dhl is a interesting one because when dhl mm-hmm. came out there were a bunch of one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen little figures at the bottom of the artwork which seemed to correspond to individual tracks and that the idea was as that like that looks like 13 tracks which is about an album length and that surely yeah. each of them would get released and at some point in the future we get an album and that was it like october 2019
0: and Mm -hmm. four months later the world ended so both four months later the world ended and also um like frank's brother died in i believe a car accident um this year maybe last year at this point i can't quite recall um it's it started to feel like an album was going to materialize and i would suspect that like the death of his brother, like probably impacted that in some way. Yeah, um, massively. I'm sure that was August this year. August. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, but part of the reason I wanted to bring this up is that like, um, what am I trying to say here? I, I think both like, this is incredible music and we're going to get into that more, but I wanted to spend just like, like, maybe five minutes talking about how, like, streaming has reshaped, like, I think has reshaped how we understand music, and I think it's interesting that Frank seemingly doesn't care about putting out albums anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, And so, like, I think if I have this right in my head, like, Endless came out first because that released him from his contract with Def Jam. And then Blonde came out the next day because now he owns that album and he's not under contract with Def Jam anymore.
1: Yeah, there's
2: a reason
0: that Endless is the one
2: that's an Apple Music exclusive. Um, Mm -hmm. That was released to satisfy the final terms of his record contract. Like, Blonde was initially also an Apple Music exclusive, but like he owns the rights to it and it's nominally self-released like to yes. to whatever extent self released matters when you're talking about someone who's sort of obviously like completely ensconced in the upper echelons of the music industry right. at the same time like this was engineered such that like he wanted to put out blonde as an album as a singular project that he owned in its entirety in both commercial and artistic terms Mm-hmm. He couldn't do that unless he chucked a throwaway project out first, and that throwaway project was endless.
0: The throwaway project, which I have listened to a few times, um, like over the years, and like listening to it last night, I was like, "This might be my favorite Frank Ocean album." All of a sudden, <laughs> like I maybe because it still has like a shine of newness that Blonde does not have, because I've only listened to it. Like you said for, we were talking last night, you said you'd probably listen to it four or five times. It's yeah, probably about the same for me. Yeah, just um,
2: through sheer accessibility. Like, yeah. like I can always know if I'm in a Frank Ocean mood, to know that I can open up an app, hit the button that says Frank Ocean, and have Blonde play at me any mm-hmm. time of day, yeah, any set of speakers. And it's yes. just not the same with Endless. And the fact that it isn't, a thing that could soundtrack every mood or every occasion or every internet accessibility space, mm-hmm. Like, it just can't be present for me in the same way that Blonde is. And Blonde yeah. has become an album that I just, like, have thoroughly internalized. Again, even more so than Channel Orange, which, again, I said was, like, I have incredible sense memories of, like, queer self-realization with um, Channel Orange as the soundtrack. And Blonde Mm. is still an album that I feel like has seeped into my skin in an even deeper way. So,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: like, there is part of the reason I might be in a place in 2020 that I like Endless better is that, like, I'm still hearing new things on this album Mm -hmm. in a way that, like, if I want to listen to Blonde right now, which is one of my favorite albums ever, what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to hit play on White Ferrari and then I play through the last four songs. I might go back and listen to Ivy. I like all the songs in between. All the songs in between are great too. But like, if I just start with white Ferrari, that's just the, like, I would like to cry now, please. And then in 20 minutes, I'm done crying and it's fine. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Christ. I mean, my favorite track in that record is Siegfried and it's like soul destroying every time I get to it. Yep. Um, and again, it's right in the slap bang in the middle of that 20 minute section that goes white Ferrari, Siegfried, Godspeed, Fisher Free. It's mm-hmm. gorgeous. And I love it to death. The, the, the thing is, we, could, we had the incredible moment of belting um, nights at each other. Me and the backseat yeah. driving on a motorway in St. Louis. And
1: <sighs>
2: you couldn't do that with most of the tracks on Endless.
0: No, That's no. Set. What are you What are you gonna do that with? You gonna sing uh, "At Your Best, You Are Love"? You're gonna put on the Aaliyah version if you do that. Like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, Slide on me is like weirdly maybe the most songy song on <laughs> on endless.
2: Yep, absolutely.
0: Um, um,
2: so yeah, is it about time that we like stop talking around the like place it has in the world and like just
0: get into the music a bit? Yeah, like. I don't even... I'm trying to think of how how to structure it because this is all so... Like, I brought this because it's so unstructured. And, like, my my thought in my head is, like, well, we should just talk about Chanel and then biking and then Lens and et cetera, but I don't know that that's actually a productive way to have a conversation about music. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, I very much very easily
2: could. And, like, if, if we want to just start there, the, the place I want to start is strangely enough, I want to go backwards and talk about Cayendo. Um, yeah. Okay. So Cayendo is a weird one. Cayendo is the only time he's sung in Spanish. Like, I don't think that's,
1: mm-hmm.
2: it's stunningly weird or anything, whatever. Like it's mm-hmm. a cool expressive language. I don't think it's far beyond Frank to think in highly commercial terms. And like, I'm, it would be cool to have a Spanish language track. Yeah. And emotionally touch an entire new demographic target audience. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about it is Okay, firstly, guitars Guitars are a thing that have like Emerged in Frank Ocean's music in a way That like, almost no one Else in this space is Like, there was we, we mentioned talking through this House of Balloons, and House of Balloons is The weekend's first release It's got mm-hmm. a lot of Beach House samples on it It's got a lot of like Soft, muted, clean Reverby uh, Guitar tones on it but sampled from other people's music. Where Frank mm-hmm. feels more like he's been working with guitarists. Like Sandy Alex G has been the guy he's been, who's been mm-hmm. in the sessions with him for the last however long. I don't think he's been on with Kayendo. It's not his playing. He's not credited on it. But like that mode of like sitting with a guitarist in a session room, playing and writing guitar music feels really unique. Um, yes. And I wanted to talk about this, like the thematic bit of guitars. Um, the, the other, like I have other comments about Kayendo, but just like, This is, again, why Siegfried is my favorite track on Blonde. It's also why the the sort of, like, slow slide in this direction of songwriting is so fascinating to me. Because I feel like it's clearly not the only person to have sat and written emotional songs to to a guitar. But very few to do it in this space with the same cadences, with the same, like, faculty with hip-hop
0: and R&B. So, yeah. Yeah, there's... As I was listening to everything last night, I started to have this thought, I was like, is Frank's next album going to be a rap album? (laughs) (laughs) Because I think, like, everything he's done since then, like, since Blonde came out, is, he's, since Odd Future was around, like, he's been rapping. (laughs) But there's, like, he's, like, ever since Blonde came out, the singles have all been, like, other than cayendo i think and dear april like very like he's doing rap songs and i don't think anyone's talking about that because everybody thinks of him as an r&b person it's interesting in the decade this decade 2010 to 2019 has was largely defined by in the pop music space both hip-hop kind of overtaking traditional pop music as the most like best-selling like genre and hip-hop also kind of breaking down the barrier between rapping and singing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the thing that is so interesting about Frank is that he's coming at it from a di- different direction of he's a singer who's bringing rap into his music rather than a rapper who's bringing singing into his music, which is like kind of the popular thing that's going on right now. None of this has anything to do with guitars because the other thing about Frank Ocean is that he is the only person in this... in hip hop and an R&B that is both playing guitar and, and or using guitars in his music and using them in this way like these are just not good like when you hear a guitar tone on a Lauren Hill like classic 90s R&B singer who has guitars on her songs it doesn't sound like what Cayendo no. sounds like it doesn't sound like what Moon River sounds like no um, and it's just it's electrifying. Like no one, it's just no one else is doing this. It's great. I don't know. I don't know. Like he's, ah, I'm. I just get effusive when I'm thinking about Frank Ocean because I also think that like he's pairing all this like innovative songwriting with, and this is the thing about Kayendo for me is that one of like one of the great vocal talents of the last, like, 30 yeah. years of music. That was like... exactly the second point I wanted to come up with. The vocal take on Kayendo is
2: astounding. Um, that said, the specific thing is, you get to the second chorus... Um, mm-hmm. Let me see if I can get... Like, sort of 135 or so? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 140, yeah, there we go. Um so firstly it's super it's relatively auto tuned. And that like <laughs> when people talk about the use of auto-tune in hip hop at least, the the purpose is usually to like create something that fits the like aesthetic that we've had going on for like think back through Kanye and T Pain and the like mm-hmm. big wave of it exploding in it just becoming a normal part of the hip hop sound. Whereas Frank is like not trying to add pitch to unpitched stuff, unpitched rapping, nor is he trying to like create something inhuman and robotic. He is attempting to create something that's that's like pseudo-human, that's like uncanny and weird and like slightly alienating. And it's it's got this like stunning elasticity to it. Um, and that it just grips me every single time. Mm-hmm. The second part is the cadence. Like, uh, the it's Fast and tripping over itself in the same way that like a really good, really awkward I'll sweatshirt hip-hop line is. hmm It hasn't got this sort of like long lyrical narrative quality that you get out of an R and B singer. It's got the yes. sort of internal, really like maybe anxious, maybe like like taut, maybe like like scattershot, like experimental. Mm-hmm. trying to think there's improvised um cadence that you'd get out of like a hip-hop artist like finding their way like slipping around the beat and the final part is just the production which is okay it's super super rubbery in the way that it's bendy um and then at the end of every phrase i cannot get over the reverb on this like it's such a minute thing um, the reverb on the end of each phrase in though just sort of, like, rings in this, like, really sinister, like, resonant way that, like, hangs and haunts the, the space of the track. And the thing that we did is, well, the thing you got me doing was going back to the, um, the, the, the Weekend's House of Balloons. And just, like, people gave that record so much emotional weight and depth and read so much of the, like, emotional complexity into it. And I just don't hear it in the same way that I just do when Kayendo is, like, at once this beautifully, like, placid, mournful guitar figure and Mm -hmm. this, like, beautiful, soaring vocal line, but that it's completely undercut by how, firstly, like, rubbery and weird and uncanny the vocal tone is, but then also how, like, icy and brittle and mean and hard-edged that reverb is. And, like, uh, grips me specifically because, like... (laughs) this is the sort of thing that you come to when you, like, spend a very long time either perfecting the ability to be rough and nasty and, like, obtuse in minuscule ways, or you, like, stumble into this through, like, rank experimentation. And I can't tell which it is, because, like, just in the same way with Endless, I can't tell whether the, like, awkwardness and the fumblingness and the, like, weird unfinished ringing resonances and rough edges are the result of like experimentation that hasn't finished and been polished or like craft that has found ways to communicate like dislocation and alienation in like the most incredibly subtle and brilliant ways. I can't tell. It could be either. It could be both. And and, like the, the boundary between the two is just completely bled over.
0: I, I assume you have. Have you seen the the video of him singing Nikes in the studio before they do any sort of, like, processing on it? I have, but not for a very long time. I can definitely pull it up. I, I don't think I have for a few years either. Um, but, like, the thing that always sticks with me about that video is that, like, if he was... If he was just doing these songs like any other singer would, like like anyone else on the planet would, like one, I think maybe he'd be like the biggest pop star on the planet. Yeah, he <laughs> two, could just, he could just do that there, if he wanted. Yeah, like he, like if he just made the songs like in a more normal, traditional way, I, I just think that it's like some of the still some of the most stunningly beautiful stuff ever. And it's just like, it just speaks to the sort of artist he is. I think that like, he's just not interested in doing that. And I don't say that to be some sort of like, Oh, he's shooting for better art than like pop music allows him to be. I just think that like, like I think he's got like these such compelling, like such a compelling set of interests as an artist that's just going to like just has me hooked and it has had me hooked for years now for near going on a decade now (laughs) back, back when odd future came out, I didn't like them because Tyler, the creator was a homophobic and that's like a whole other thing (laughs) because (laughs) that's turned out in very funny ways. He got banned from England for being too homophobic.
2: Theresa fucking May unbanned Tyler, the creator. He's not a homophobe anymore. I mean, also (laughs) Theresa May is no longer either the home secretary or the prime minister. So it's okay. But (laughs) instead we have an even more fascistic cunt as a home secretary. So...
0: um. Like, but even when I didn't like Odd Future, I liked Frank Ocean. And, like, I, I, I... So much of how I think about music is tied up into albums and, like, the way that he's just gonna put out this one song. Because the next song that I want to talk about is uh, DHL, mm-hmm. which I think also pulls a lot from House of Balloons. um, And I think just, like, shits on everything the weekend has spent this <laughs> decade doing <laughs> because DHL is fucking incredible so <laughs> and it sounds not. I think both DHL and Kayendo are pulling from that EP or that album and doing like, y- like y- you could tell me that DHL and Kayendo are by two different artists. <laughs> yep. Oh, yep. uh, DHL is like one of the, just like the best, just like grimy, Dusty, like no, not dusty, not dusty. Like it's grimy. It's like Loosey, subterranean. Liquid. Yeah. It's the only menacing. comp. I have,
2: the only comp I have for it is LSD by Rocky. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. So the, the thing for me is just like at no. The weekend is too interested in making good hip hop tracks that he can't mm-hmm. have that moment where like you. You, you know that moment on a roller coaster where, like, instead of, like, you, like, fly downwards or whatever, it's those, like, or in a, but that moment on an aeroplane where, like, you hit turbulence and the plane just drops 30 feet and your mm-hmm. stomach just, like, flies. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, there are moment, just the moment, like, 30, 40 seconds in where the bass just sort of, like, enters and suddenly it's present and that you realize that your, like, heart has sunk 30 feet in the ground and you're, like, falling on your falling on your ass like this track is woozy and uh, psychedelia is a hard thing to talk about because you say that and immediately there's a sort of like very 60s psych rock vocabulary that comes to mind like the modern Mm -hmm. incarnation would be tame impala and i don't think that's a super interesting way of talking about psychedelia the the way Mm -hmm. that's interesting is the way of like profound spatial play and dhl Mm -hmm. is one of those where like it's just masterful in the way that it like Puts you in this, like, really tight space, and then just blows it apart with just, like, liters of bass and this sort of weird, fluid, gloopy sound that just, like, takes you and chucks you in a fucking washing machine as soon as it drops in.
0: And then, like, for the last ten seconds of the song he comes in with a totally different sound from fucking nowhere. It just sounds like a normal song. It just sounds like a regular song. And it's just because he knew he had, like, four really good lines, and he just wanted yeah. to, he wanted to make sure you heard them because he was proud of those lines. He was really fucking proud of it. Um, Independent bin, jug bin selling records month. out the trunk. I'm already rich as fuck, so the product's in the front. Ah! Oh! Yeah. I'll
2: yeah. um, be beer for a month, but we've been- fucking for the jump
0: yeah <laughs>
2: so it's good. so fucking good oh uh, uh, yeah um we're, we're doing the same kind of exasperated sigh of like or <laughs>
0: and like st- stunned brilliance um uh, and like I, I haven't even talked about like lens just my favorite frank ocean song oh my it's- god is it Maybe. I don't know. I mean, White Ferrari is my fra- favorite Frank Ocean song. Yeah, I shouldn't true. even, like, pretend. That's the, like, turn this song on, I'm going to start crying right now. But, like, yeah. Lens is... Again, I've got, I've got sick feet for that, but yes, I know what you mean. Lens is, like, my favorite of these. And it's not even... I think Lens, you could put that, like... I don't know, you could just make that track 11 on um, Blonde and not miss a beat, you no. know? Exactly. I just... I just think that Lens is just, like, an exceptionally good one of those. <laughs>
2: yeah, you know? totally, totally. Um, I uh, think Provider in that frame is, like, an interesting case in point. Because it's not quite one of those where you could just drop it into the second half of Blonde and it would fit. Because it's got too much for a mm. beat. It's too much of a pop track.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
2: But, um, it's, like, secretly also, like... Um, I don't know... Uh, I'm trying to think. Why am I saying it secretly? It's not secretly anything. It's surprisingly upfront about what it is, which is a hip hop track. Um, it's like a hip hop mm. love track, um, which is beautiful and placid in a way that I never expected from Frank. And um, the, the moments where he uncomplicates himself are just really, really fun. Um, just same with same to some degree with biking, which is just like now I want to make a track about a really nice weekend
0: with the boys. <laughs> okay yeah important question about biking Mm -hmm. if you're gonna put on biking right now are you putting on the jay-z version or not i am putting on the jay-z version i am too i'm glad we're in agreement about this the the jay-z version the jay-z verse is very funny it's hilarious and then i think i think the tyler the creator version actually the 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 tyler the creator version the tyler verse adds a lot to the song as a whole and so, yeah, I'll listen to the Jay Z version. The, I, I'm i glad that all the haters have the solo version, but I, I know where I'm at. No, totally. <laughs> the thing, very specifically, is just like, I like the
2: idea of, like, this is the song about that one weekend in the summer of 2016 or something that Tyler and Frank, like, were, like, cruising around the hills in their Beverly Hills mansions or wherever it is. And, like, it also... having a very fun time sunbathing on the side of a hill, talking about the boys that they're chasing.
0: It also like I don't know Jay-Z writing a very funny um verse for a Frank Ocean song ties it back into Future, future of Free for me. Mm, yeah. Where the the line where um on Future of Free where Frank says Jay hit me on the email said I how to had to act my, my network. network. Yeah, is one of the funniest things. That's ever- <laughs> Enough for, like, it's not actually that funny. It's just very funny to imagine Jay-Z doing anything. I just like Jay-Z a lot. So, <laughs> Imagining him emailing Frank Ocean and saying this very Jay-Z thing that he would say in a song. It's just funny. It's just, you, you've, it's
2: got, fun. you've, you've, you've climbed some orders of magnitude. Please behave like it.
1: <laughs>
0: because, because you ought to act your net worth feels like a song that... It feels like a line that he put in a song in the 90s and then just like that song never came out because it wasn't quite up to snuff. But that line's still good enough that he's going to put it in an, in an email, email yeah. to Frank Ocean 20 years later. I don't know why. It's just very <laughs> funny to me. Yeah. It's brilliant. Oh, my
2: God. Um, oh, God. Can I just give a weird little shout out to Moon River, which is probably my least yeah. favorite of these tracks, which is not saying much given they're all fucking great. But the mm-hmm. thing—it's just like a little nice little window into the process stuff again, because so many of the endless slash post blonde releases are scrappy or skeletal in a way that really like show their moving parts.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: the thing that is happening here is the same thing that happens on the intro to Nikes, which is I—I li- I found the the Frank live take because it was from the it's from the rehearsals from his live show. And apparently the caption for the Instagram post it's from is plus five. Um, plus five because it was clearly recorded five semitones down, like a fourth down. And mm. then pitched up so that you get the baby voice effect. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what's happening here. You can hear Moon River is double tracked, where the normal Frank voice is on key. And the, the pitched version, which you like... the. Uh, the, um, the the baby voice is a perfect fourth up, like five semitones up. Um, right. It's just this like wonderful little, a wonderful little like, it, it, it bears the process out. Like Frank has figured out that his voice sounds amazing four semitones up and has this mm-hmm. weird, slightly like childish, slightly estranged quality to it. In this case, a really mournful, sad one. Um, but that, like, they they play off the two multi tracks against each other, um, and that, like, instead of being the like, how would you describe it? Instead of the, the the pitched up version being in order to hit those pitches, it's another way of getting a different emotional tone out of his vocal takes because, like, the two vocal takes aren't the same. Like, he does different ad libs in each take, and they clash against each other in really exciting and interesting ways. Um, yeah, I think oddly enough, Moon River not going well in frank's like palette as the other tracks do is just a an insight into how masterful his genre combination is because this is just like trying to do an old r&b like standard in Mm -hmm. his palette and it doesn't work because he wants something that is a bit more dark a bit more nasty and a bit more like written like you'd write a hip-hop track and built yeah. the fact that he can just do that at will, like every single other track we're talking about is one of those tracks, one of those tracks that masterfully trades between like lyrical R&B and like the weird cadences of hip hop and the weird beat patterns that just like mean that he's like scr- like screeching to, to like deliver those lines in time around this this beat. Again, like mm-hmm. the first line of Provider being delivered at like, 83 miles an hour just to, like, get in in time for the chord change is just, like, <laughs> slightly hilarious. But also just, like, he's made this delivery in this emotional space just, like, entirely his own.
0: Yeah, and there's a weird thing with Moon River where I I used to like that song more, and then it was in, like, two TV shows in the span of six months, and now I like that song less because it was, like, it's easy to see Frank being like, Well, I wanna license my music to T V shows and commercials, but I don't wanna license my music. Yeah. I'll do this standard, um, in my style, and that'll be the one that I can license to people. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
2: um So yeah, it's about time we talked about <sighs> Chanel, right?
0: Yeah. Uh my guy pretty like a girl. Yeah. Uh, Buddy Got Fight Stories to Tell. So,
2: just to be clear, we've come off a a moment where we've talked really obviously about an album that is about masculinity and gayness and queerness that didn't quite hit for you because it wasn't emotionally accessible and in a form where you could feel the narrative and the the emotional space as something that's akin to one that you recognize and empathize with. Mm Mm-hmm. This is just that. This is the thing. This, this is... is that. <laughs> oh my God. Slam straight fast into it and just like, yes, no, we, we are in this space where we just, and we say that just at the same time as like the subject matter is in a lot of cases just like, no, two thirds of this track is also still like, I, I'm fucking fashion high flyer with incredible tats and mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Bragging about the, the album that I just released that blew the fuck up, and <laughs> the fact that I'm getting everyone on my crew diamonds, and they are real as shit, and I have a shitload of money, and I have an entire outro about exactly how much money I have and how much um, I, uh, how much of
0: that money is cash. Man, I love rap music, yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> and y- fucking love this shit so much, and yet, and yet
2: somehow this feels. This feels so present and obviously like about the thing that we care about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how it works. I don't fucking know how it works. Um.
0: So there's there's two there's two songs here in my head actually, which is that are tied together. One is Chanel, the very first single that comes out after Blonde, um, and, and two. Is Unity U N I T Y from um, Endless, which which are both like pretty ooh, hit the wrong button there, uh, pretty like just rap songs, just like, and I I think Frank doesn't get called a rapper because like people think of like rap and R and B as like separate things, and they're just not. Um, not also, in, also, in he's anyway. also he's gay. Also, he's gay. Uh, so you can't be a rapper if you're gay, as we all know. Um, and, and Chanel opens on the line, my guy pretty like a girl, but he got fight stories to tell. Unity has the line, uh, never fuck someone you wouldn't want to be though. And just like, the, (laughs) it's, it's the thing that is so, electrifying about Frank's queerness is that and to my recollection he's never done the coming out song Tyler because oh, of think, where he was
2: thinking about you with the note the tumblr note attached was that
0: yeah but like if you just listen to thinking, thinking about you like you don't know that you know necessarily yeah. You fair I,
2: I get you I I find it hard to imagine both with the like the pointed pronoun non-switch and the and the fact that we live in the world where the Frank Ocean Tumblr letter came out. Like, I get you, but yeah. yes, you're right. It's, never it's been... weird
0: how much, like, Frank Ocean's Tumblr is a part of the Frank Ocean experience. <laughs>
2: we were all on Tumblr once.
0: <laughs> we, everyone was on Tumblr. Maybe that's the reason he's never put out another album again, because, like, he can't post about it on Tumblr. And, like, the thing that is always... The thing that helps, hmm, how am I trying to say this? Blonde is an album that is like so much a part of like my figuring out my queerness, and Blonde is not the album with the coming out song. You know, Blonde is the album four years after he comes out, and the thing that is so electrifying is like this lived experience of queerness to where like. You don't you've been in it so long you don't even really remember what it's like to be cishet or to believe that one is cishet yeah. or to be closeted um and you just say things that like like he's just saying things that really resonate with me um things that would almost be self-evidently <laughs> true <laughs> yes and just like you don't have to apologize you don't have to explain this to anyone like queerness is your own thing like it's he's not even explaining it to me another queer person if it if it resonates with me that's great you know i've never rubber band rubber banded a bunch of thousand dollar delta gift cards i've never done that that doesn't resonate with me that's fine because like that is also like a queer experience everything in the music is queer experience (laughs) because queerness is self (laughs) Um, you know yeah um and just like when everything is queer you just experience like Frank and his way of feeling about things, and the way that like maybe because of like trauma and stuff that like he kind of sees like relationships with other people in this transactional way sometimes that it feels like he's not always proud of, but he's always honest with himself about uh mm-hmm. that you get on that you get on Chanel and that you get on uh provider especially and on biking um. <laughs> Uh, I'm 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 too effusive. Slow me down.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I I don't really want to because I think you're just correct. <laughs> like <laughs> at some basic level like Frank is so Frank is the sort of like background noise that fills up the collective understanding of what like communal, not necessarily just gay male, but that like that particular aspect of queerness as an experience just is like this is the, the like, this is the lounge music the this is mm-hmm. what sets the tone in in the way that like not that like Katy Perry's California Girls to pluck an example that we talked about a couple episodes ago isn't the mm-hmm. actual content isn't descriptive the actual content of like het sexuality but it is the mm-hmm. background noise to it. Yes. And Franco Ocean yes. is the background noise to queer sexuality in the way that it's just, like, upfront and honest and explicit in a way that it needs to be in order to, like, be... Like, the cis the, the are under no, no illusions about, like, the things that they're leaving out when they make their chaste PG-13 version of their lyrics. Whereas, mm. like, it is utterly necessary and, like, part of the great, like negotiation slash transaction that you need to be explicit and you need to talk in those explicit terms because that's how queer sexuality works. It works by like the like the the historic hiddenness and the the, the, the slow surfacing invisibility. visibility. It works mm-hmm. like with that as the central like organizing dynamic to it. It works with the like with shame and like overcoming it being like one of the central emotional Dynamics to it And that like Mm -hmm. all of those things are just like The like Bread and butter of everything that is Dripping out of Frank's lyrics Out of his um, Emotional like His cadence His his flippancy about sex A lot of the time All of that Mm -hmm. stuff is just like This doesn't necessarily line up With the experience But it sets A sort of like emotional fabric that everyone I know and everyone I'm around like empathises with so deeply. Um mm-hmm. And that like, God. um In a way that like, I don't even know if Flower Boy does the same thing. Because Flower Boy yeah. still has a sort of sense of like giddy comedy about it. It hasn't reached the mm-hmm. sort of like mellowed out like self-knowledge that Frank just like Oozes. Frank like has the 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 sense of someone who is so utterly like habituated and settled within this way of thinking and working and relating that it never feels gratuitous. It never feels played. It just feels again, kind of as we've been talking about. Like it keeps coming up but sincere, insincere, mm-hmm. even when it's fucking awful or fucking messy or like. Uh, I don't know, emotionally damaging at various points. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there are. What was the what? What are the lines on? Um, let me find it. <laughs> um, good guy. Hmm. And just um,
0: God, good guy.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, God. here's the good guy. He hooked it up. He said, if I was in NY, i should look you up. First time I ever saw you, and you text nothing like you look. Again, you text nothing like you look is such the like ah. everything about the 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 like uh, everything about it's not just about the fact that oh, the gaze is grinder it's about mm-hmm. the like expectation of doubleness of needing to like hide the way you what the like hiding the sort of effective not effective. I mean, specifically not the effective hiding all your linguistic ticks to slip between versions of yourself for different audiences, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for different kinds of presentations to be a- appealing to three audiences at once, all of which are suspicious of you. Um, yeah, he's the gay bar. You took me to, here's when I realized you talk so much more than I do. Like, okay, fine. Just relatable romance lyrics, but still, yeah. Um, he's the highlights when I was convinced that this was m- much more than some, j- just some night shit. Um, Ugh. Everyone knows the <laughs> doubleness. Everyone knows and feels that, like, I have to manage my time. I divide my time between the self that is, again, not merely authentic because it's put on and performed in different ways, but the self that is, like, performed such that it's recognizable to other queers in natural and, like, positive and erotic ways, and mm-hmm. the versions that are not that. Um, yeah. I know you don't need me right now until it's just a late night out. Um, again, the Frank feeling... God. And then getting to be with Frank as he feels alienated from the people who are more comfortable than him. Because, okay, yeah. his kind of alienation is the alienation of someone who is too famous to just go to a bar and have a good time. But it's the mm-hmm. same kind of alienation that every queer who can't just go out and have a good time, not because they're famous, but because they're queer.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 And the
2: um, the, like... The like, sitting through that is, it's just like walking through that set of emotions with him it's just, oh my god he he knows he knows himself so well and he can express it so clearly and so breezily, especially because it's so indebted to the hip hop thing of like, just firing lyrics out firing statements and firing ideas out and like the fact that it's lyrical is weird the fact that it is lyrical and r is almost incidental to the fact that like if he was just rapping that verse it would communicate the same kind of thing. It's just that he's also got the emotional capacity to write Siegfried three tracks later or seven tracks later whatever it is. whatever, yeah, whatever it Six. is. And yeah, um
1: God.
0: There's like, to Frank's songwriting there is like a fundamental like there is some level of, like, shame and also just an utter lack of, like, I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to feel shame anymore. And I have to kind of, like, will myself into it, but I'm not going to. Um That just feels, like, was just so tremendously important to me and remains so, um and just, like, like, the, the way in which, like the songwriting the things he's talking about he's not going to feel like he's going to tell you the most like like kind of like darkest most damaging parts of himself as you said um in the songwriting but all of his like actual interactions um uh, with other people that he's describing in the songs are tinted with this like kind of shame and fear in like like a way that just uh uh um Feels just like real to my experience of my queerness has been helpful um, to my experience as a human. Um, You know, the, the way on biking, he says like, when's the last time I asked for some help? And um, the way on provider, like he's talking about like, I go to you because I want this feeling from you. Um, And it's just like, that's not a great way to think about other people, but like sometimes that's a place that you end up when Like you have to like kind of hide yourself from everyone else, except this one person, you know, or whatever, whatever it is, the feeling that you're getting from that person, you know, I don't know. And it's not, Um, it's
2: not even like that's a, (laughs) it's transactional and shit mm -hmm. and maybe slightly exploitative. It's also like the thing that like, Marks out. (laughs) I don't know. Like, it is a thing that we all necessarily do all the time, and Mm -hmm. the it's not simply that like Frank is open that he does this, but that he is like targeted a bunch of experiences and like, (laughs) how can I put this? Um, I don't know if Frank Ocean has changed how gay people relate to each other. That would be a big silly claim to make, Mm -hmm. but it is given a kind of, like, vocabulary for the relationship between, uh, how would I describe it?
0: I mean, like, this is what I'm doing every time I get on my locked account and I tweet, someone please pay attention to me. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, like, I don't know, because of, like, the way that he writes songs, like, it could sound kind of, like, dark and sexual because, like, that's what he writes songs about, but, like, this is what I'm doing when I just tweet someone pay attention to me, and this is what I'm doing, like, this is what I'm doing when I'm just, like, you know, flirting with a friend, and it doesn't actually, like, I don't think I want, like, a relationship out of it, I just enjoy flirting, (laughs)
2: you know? Yeah, and we say this, like, this is, like, grand insights, but it's the, the, the tone and the texture, I, I don't know, I feel like the texture of the queer life that I'm familiar with is actively shaped by Frank Ocean being the sort of, like... Like, the air, the the water that we're all swimming through. Um, mm-hmm. The, like... The mix of flippancy, the mix of shame, the, like, double desire for excessive indulgence sexuality at the same time as, like, shame and confusion and, like, a mix of body and emotional and external world anxiety and terror. And, like... All of mm. the constituent mm. moving parts are just, like, so accurate to that experience, and that, like, uh, the music itself is so embedded with all of those experiences. Like, Blonde is simply the album that if you, you flick through someone's Tinder account and know whether you're going to have a time, a thing, and a thing to discuss with them, based on whether they've right. got it at the Top of their um, most frequently listened to, or not? Like the, the, <laughs> the there was a sort of communal expectation of, of like a, a facility, like an ease with this mode of understanding what queerness is, and that like mm. I'm suspicious of queer people who don't have it. <laughs> Basically, I I don't know. I feel like the, the uh, mm. okay, the, this is just telling on myself, but like one level is I I'm suspicious of people who don't have good music taste whatsoever. But at a, at a more fundamental level, I'm suspicious of queerness that hasn't at least interrogated the subject matter that Frank alleges is, like, the subject matter of queerness. Like, mm. I don't understand that. Like, that's not my queerness. It's a queerness that I don't really get to grips with. Um, and that, like, I'm excited for the day where you never need to think about, like, doubleness and shame and put multiple versions of selves but we don't live in that world for actual queers right now. And if you wanted to pretend that was the way that queerness worked now, I'd be incredibly suspicious and maybe even hostile. And that like Frank is the, like the voice that gives expression to it. A mod among many. And like, mm-hmm. I can talk for me personally, the own palette is part of that texture, but it's a different part and a far less public part. Absolutely. Like, this is, the, this is the collective voice. This is the voice that we all grasp to because we all find ourselves reflected in it. Or at least the people who I also recognize and seek recognition in.
0: There is... Um, I feel like the Against Me album, Transgender Dysphoria Blues, like, kind of, in certain trans circles that I have run in um, over the last few years, like, that album, like, like, it is just taken as like a given that like we all know that album we all like that album we all experience that album that that album lives with all of us and like that is not an album that lives with me in the same way i like that album a lot that album was very important to me at a certain time um in a way that it's not anymore um and the things that still resonate with me about that album are more about like my friend dying or like you know Stuff like that, then, um, like, the, the struggles of coming out, um, because, like, and this is the thing, I'm trying to, like, wrangle, like, eight different thoughts in my head into one thought, <laughs> um, there's something about that album that, like, transness becomes the totality one version of transness because is like kind of the totality of that album's vision um and like for me like the the thing that has been that has continued to make frank relevant in my life in the four years since blonde and like not even realizing it, like, that I was trans until, like, a year after Blonde came out, like, Blonde more being about, like, Blonde coming out at the time where I'm, like, trying to get to grips with my bisexuality, um, like, the thing that makes Frank still relevant in just, like, my day-to-day, like, life is that, um, is this, like, multiplicity of identities, because I go to work, and I pitch my voice up, and I um, try to, like, dress as femininely as possible. I wear mascara every single day. Back before, we didn't have to have masks on. I wore lipstick every single day. Um, I do that, and then I come home, and I do podcasts where I talk in a lower voice, but I'm still trying to project, like, femininity, and then, you know, I lay around the house and just, like, pajamas and like I don't really care how my gender is being perceived and then I go and talk to my family and I'm like trying to be as feminine as possible but in a kind of different way from how I'm trying to do it at work and I feel like Frank allows this like variance like like it feels like it expresses like something non-binary that like transgender dysphoria blues doesn't express and I think like Part of the reason that like I have felt so alienated from like binary trans femme spaces so often is that like a lot of binary trans femme people can't s- see themselves in Frank Ocean. I don't think because like yeah, f- because Frank is like masculine presenting. I don't really know what his gender situation is. I don't think leave it at
2: mouth um, for now question mark
1: like.
0: He, yeah, he has he plays enough,
2: but in the same way that like drag and and cross dressing can still be the purview of men, and that's just fine too.
0: Right, and like I think that like a lot of binary trans femme spaces don't make space for this multiplicity of identity um, that feels so central to myself, and it's why like I don't really identify as like a trans woman all the time i just identify as trans and um why this s- music still feels relevant to me um every like every single day like i walk around my house and i sing self control every single day <laughs> <sighs> um yeah um there's i feel like there's more to say but i feel like maybe i'm I'm hitting the limits of, like, what I can just express verbally and what just, like, lives in my heart. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. And, um, and, and and I don't know, like, maybe people are going to come and they don't get the same experience. And I don't really know what to say mm-hmm. to those people. Um, I don't really know what to do if someone comes to Frank and feels it, feels the alienation not as something that they can live within and handle and incorporate into themselves, but as an alienation between Frank and them. I, like, don't know mm-hmm. what to do with it. Um, I could under- I can imagine the person who does that, and it just isn't me, because Frank has been so internal and, like, was so intermingled with my own expressions and self-understandings of the, like, alienation I feel within myself that I cannot imagine not coming to a Frank project and immediately, like, grasping it in a very internal way. Um,
0: I mean, like... I can't imagine that, but mo- more because, like, a lot of my friends, like, don't listen to music in quite the same way that I do. A lot mm-hmm. of my friends, um, like, listen to more rock music, and, like, you know, as, we, as we, we've talked about so much, like, I think, I think Frank takes a lot from rock music in the way that he's, you know, using guitarists on these songs, but, like, this is steeped in, like, hip-hop and R&B culture and in black culture that, like, I, I understand. Like, if someone just doesn't consider themselves an R and B fan, like maybe you just don't vibe with Frank Ocean. Though, generally, I feel like most people I know, even if they don't like Frank Ocean, will enjoy some Tyler. Like, will enjoy Tyler the Creator. I feel like he has maybe a bit of a more mainstream. Yeah, like,
2: I mean, he's he's written some flavor. just straight up pop songs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's
0: written just pop, and that's fine too. Which Frank Ocean hasn't done in eight years. No. <laughs> um uh yeah um should we take it to the close should we where could people find you online
2: (sighs) yeah i think we should take it to the close uh yeah i don't know if i have anything more to add than just like this lives in our bones and if that explains so much about us as people i didn't like do the spiel about my like Identity and things like that, and it is a, mm-hmm. it is a somewhat trans identity, but it is an identity that doesn't that goes between, I'd like that conflicted version of maleness that we talked about in the Owen palette, and a version of transness that doesn't move towards femininity in any active sense, but like mm-hmm. is very much about specifically like inhabiting the dislocation between the two, and like wanting to find. That trying to find whether stability is even desirable, recognizability is even desirable, of uh, like sitting in that in that like gap of unintelligibility and wondering whether there is inherent power to staying unintelligible and mysterious to myself, or whether I want to carve out spaces and ideas and words and concepts that make it all intelligible. And that, like, that's the very analytic approach and the felt sense of it is, like, well, what what's the dynamics of shame and mutual recognition and, like, recognition, sexual, erotic, interpersonal, emotional, do I get from other people? Depending on how I can talk for them, depending on how they recognise me and how they read into the things that I offer. And that, like, the... Having Frank is just, like, having Frank and say it on first name terms. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> the, me and my mate Frank. Um the 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 like the sense of what I can and can't be needs the sort of poetics that Frank offers. That like very few people I know deal with those poetics in the same way that like no one understands the poetics of, like, messy, like, masked sexuality, but as well as the, like, like weird slippages of utopianism. Like, I I think back to the prep plus parties. And, like, I feel Mm -hmm. like I recognize the guy who's, like, scrambling for the imagined 1980s of, like, queer utopia that never arrived and feel Mm -hmm. and see a lot of myself in that. I say this as, like to do this sort of spiel about how I got into dance music in the first place, is um, exactly the parties that Frank is referencing, the sort of, like, late 70s, early 80s New York loft party scene that turned eventually into, like, Paradise Garage and Studio 54, and those are, like, the parties that Frank is explicitly recognising. And it's a scene that got decimated by the AIDS crisis um, with a sort of, like, historic, unacknowledged debt to black and latino musicians as well as like black and latino artists sex workers like inhabitants of like greenwich and east village and that was a that's like a i valorized that i have like pedestalized it and put it in a position in my brain where i could like imagine the sort of sense of creativity and freedom and community and solidarity are all the things that i am like working towards in my own embodiment and my own politics and my own like desire to experience myself within culture Um, and that like that's a very like weird abstract impulse to pull from this like one specific niche historical episode and that I feel Mm. like Frank is pulling the same way that the the, like the, the utopia of queer play is a thing that he he is striving for and working through and working towards in all the like Little asides and jokes and flippant remarks and spiting self comments that he makes. At the same time, as like that has its own politics and it has its own problems. Like the PrEP Plus party's got, again, as I mentioned at the top, like kind of savage for being like, well, really, no one actually learned anything. No one learned about why PrEP was useful. One of the bouncers almost confiscated a, a journalist's actual trivada, at the PrEP medication. On the way in, because they didn't understand the party was about this and whatever um it just turned into <sighs> like the sort of elite, elite like scene kids who got private invites on Instagram because they have big followings and would tweet uh tweet or instagram post flattering photos
1: mm-hmm. and
2: the um like there are that that gap is one that is much easier to work with the gap between people who share the same poetics the same emotional desires and impulses but the 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 implementation the pragmatics the the like how to structure the world given those desires and given those impulses is different compared to people who i just don't see myself within who i don't think could see me in the world that they imagined um mm-hmm. yeah Frank gives me the the space to like explore a sort of like poetics and artistic like lens on the very real world that I aspire to like live in and have helped construct. Um that's the best way I can put it. That was a that was my long outro. Yeah. Uh you asked me where you could find me on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at regression with three S's
0: You can find me on Twitter at octumnal underscore coffee Regs what are are you bringing to us next time? So
2: the longer this conversation (laughs) has gone on the more I'm double uh, like second guessing my pick for next week Uh. Mm -hmm. So I could I very specifically pick the Owen palette to go against the Frank Ocean so that we could have the queerest discussions. Are you interested in having more of these discussions, or do you want a different kind of album? I'm always
0: here for queer discussions. So okay. Um, hmm. uh, yeah, fuck it.
2: Let's go for it. I am going to pick the self-titled album by Arca. Okay. Spell that for me, real quick. A R C A. Okay. The twenty seventeen Arca album.
0: Okay. Um, and I told you about this beforehand. I wanted to, um, partly because of the uh, "At Your Best, You You Are Love" cover on Endless. Um, I wanted to talk about Aaliyah, and then I kind of like asked you for some guidance on this because, so Aaliyah. Is an R and B singer from the '90s who, by and large, her music is not on any streaming services, and so that has been a weird thing for her um, legacy as an artist in, you know, 2020 when um, you can't find her music, like, which is yeah, shit. when you can't find her music <laughs> because, like, that's just how young people listen to music is on streaming. Mm-hmm. So the one that and the one that is on streaming, AJ ain't nothing but a number. Um, it's it, like the, is tied up in R. Kelly stuff. Yeah, it's uh, the, it's got will... that fucking title,
2: firstly, but also yeah. <laughs> most of the stuff is written by R. Kelly, and she like very explicitly over the last few years of her. That we also need to say like, um, mm. she died in a plane crash in two thousand and one on the like flying between I think the Bahamas and Florida, having just finished mm. filming for the last music video she put out for the last single, which is Wrote the Boat." Um, yeah so like r- tragically cut short as a career but um yeah like in the mm-hmm. very last few years of her life once she like got out of that like set of relationships and producer whatever's like talks mm-hmm. very explicitly about uh, the abuse she went through with r kelly like very explicitly yeah. like sexually and also emotionally abusive and controlling relationship through the other yeah. part of her career so, yeah, fascinating uh, figure, fascinating artist. Um, so, yeah, we wanted to pick an album of the of the three. It wouldn't be AJ Nothing But A Number.
0: It wouldn't be that one. And you just told me that you like the self-titled so one, yeah, the last one that she did. Just, both so. in terms
2: of impact and the sound world, it's just, like, it's stunning. Um, I love it to death. I, I shouldn't say that with this album because she literally died at the end of the promotion cycle. I should not use that tone of phrase. I should watch that. But, like... This is a starting point for, um, like, the, uh, there are so, so many crucial artists and trends and people and vibes that, like, sit slap bang in the middle of this album and make it one of the most special R&B albums I think has been ever made. And that we could Mm -hmm. talk about one in a million. I just wish we'd been talking about the self-titled album the whole way through. We'd been talking about one in a million. So I'm going to say we should talk about the self-titled one.
0: Um, And if you want to do any uh, extra credit listening, you can just listen to uh, Take Me Apart by Kalala, which uh, yes. is very much an Aaliyah album yeah, <laughs> from um, ta- 15 years later. Yeah.
2: <laughs> again, we're, we're in the realm where Take Me Apart is also in that like top 15 of the albums of the decade list that I've got. I'm sitting on. Um, it, that yeah. was my breakup album. I had a year-long relationship that ended, and my breakup album was Kalala's Take Me Apart. It's so mm-hmm. much in the same space. Uh, again a modern interpretation I I know
0: very little about Aaliyah because of like her streaming situation and I know that Kalala Kalala is just doing the Aaliyah thing
2: (laughs) it's gorgeous so right, two albums, Arca's self-titled album and Aaliyah's, uh, sorry I kept saying, because it's a double A I kept saying Aaliyah, it's Aaliyah? Aaliyah Aaliyah, cool, good, hopefully I won't
0: slip up too much on that while we record the episode (laughs) Anyway, yeah, we will see you all next time. Until two hours. (laughs) It did not feel like two hours. We talked about Friday. It happens. It
1: happens.